What's up, everybody? Before we dive into today's episode, I have a quick thing I want to share with you. I think I mentioned it later in this episode, but I have started working with the Keto Road True Nutrition Coaching as a one-on-one holistic ketogenic nutrition coach. I can work with you to help put together your macros, how you should be eating, work with you on mindset, action planning. The program includes coaching calls, daily check-ins, and exclusive access. So if this is something you're interested in, go check it out at theketoroad.com. And now, on to the show. Hey there, my friends, and welcome to another episode of the Fat Guy Forum. This is your host, Gormy, and I am excited to have you here with me today. Today, I'm talking to someone that I've known for a, a few years now online, but we have never talked live. And I'm excited to get into his journey and talk about how it has evolved over time. And then we we both have some some common common struggles that I think a lot of you out there go through that we're gonna we're gonna get into today too. So first, let me introduce you to my guest today, Reed Jacobs. Reed, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good, Mike. How about you? Doing okay. I'm doing okay. You know, it's a little bit later for me, which is good. I'm not Reed, for for those of you out there. Reed is a, is an early morning guy, and he's a few hours away from me, so. He it's around five for him as we're recording this. And it's it's a it's a late eight o'clock in the morning here. So, you know, I can't complain about that. And so we will, you know, kind of use our time. Well, man, let's get right into it. Tell us, Reed, what qualifies you to be on the Fat Guy Forum? Oh, well, you know, it's uh, I'm, I've never been a big podcast guy, but um. Yours is actually one of the only ones I, I listen to. You and probably like Obese to Beast and Joe Rogan. But uh, um, I guess it would just be the fact that you know I've been on keto for uh, I don't know three and a half years now. So um, you know it, the, the diet has changed so much in the last few years that um, I feel like I'm like one of the the old crowd of people that were in it before it was really big. And I mean, I know it was big back then, but it has just exploded lately. So I definitely feel like I have uh, a good amount of experience over, over those three and a half years of uh, what to do and definitely what not to do, you know? For sure, man. But take us further into like what, you know, take us back, tell us about your life. Like what actually, you know, would, would, would make me look at you and say, you know, I I think Reed is qualified to to count as a fat guy. Like take us take <laughs> us through how you're, you know, take us into all that. Yeah. So um, so when uh when I was younger, I was I was you know I was a good athlete when I was in high school, and uh, you know I was a wrestler, and I actually wrestled at a pretty well, I guess light for me weight class of two fifteen. Um, but I ended up playing football as well. So uh, you know, I went to college to play football and when I got up to that level, you know, I was, um, asked to put on a, a pretty significant amount of weight. And, um, and that's kind of where I grew into my, my fat guy status, you know, getting up over 300 pounds. Um, and you know, and then late later in my life, and I'm sure we'll get into that is, uh, when I got up way over, which was, you know, my, my peak of, of 430 pounds, and that was where, you know, I kind of, I started my keto journey, which, um, you know, I had kind of the same experiences a lot of people had had with dieting, which was, you know, lose 50 pounds, gain 70, lose 30, gain 50. And I kind of just 
fell into that that trap of trying to get on track but never really staying on track for years until until keto came along and and well one i i think there's something unique unique there in your story in that like you were asked to put on weight which i i know when i when when i first heard that part of your story i don't even remember how long ago it was that i that i heard about that like my heart skipped a beat because I was like, why did, why did no one ever, you know, I would have been so good at that. Like that would have, <laughs> that would have been, yeah, you, that, you would have gone pro that, for it. Right. Like that could have been my Olympic moment. Like if that was a sport, <laughs> but so your story, then I think it's a little bit different you know, some of the guys that grow up, you know, kind of struggling with a weight issue when they're, you know, five or six years old and it kind of continues through high school and they deal with all of that. Like, your journey is a little bit different. You know, you, you, you came from that athletic place and you hit college, you know, you were getting into football. They were asking you to put on some weight and then things changed. So take us through how you go from wrestling at 215 to getting up over 400 pounds. Like, how do you think that that evolved for you? All right. So, yeah. Um, so I actually used to, I had to cut really hard to get to 215. Um, I was, geez, my sophomore year, because I was always, I guess, a, a bigger kid, but I was never huge. So, I mean, I was like, you know, kind of like the soft with, you know, l- with little man boobies and stuff when I was a, a younger kid. And when I hit my sophomore year, so I was like 15 is when I, I cut from like 260 down to 215 for wrestling. Um, and I did it really, really unhealthily. Um, I just kind of quit eating for a couple weeks straight and and dropped like 40 pounds in two weeks and um and it was just so i could make the varsity team because our heavyweight wrestler at varsity was too good so that was kind of like my first experience with the real cut um so my normal like playing weight though in football would and then i would bounce back up like my junior year to 260 265 and then cut back down to 215 so there was a lot of that fluctuation going on every year and then my senior year, um, at the end of my football season, I was probably like 275 and I chose just not to, not to wrestle my senior year. So I didn't have to do that cut again. Um, that way I could at least go in at a somewhat reasonable weight going into, um, going into college and going into my off season program. Um, and something, no, I, I, I know you're going to move that forward a little bit, and I, I want us to get into that. But something I, I think is for us to talk about, because I, I have some good friends that were high school and college wrestlers. And I think weight and cutting as a wrestler is something that like people don't really hear that much about, like how intensive and crazy and, you know, what what kind of behaviors that can start to create in people. Like, do you think that? experience there you know had an impact on you going forward um probably not as much except that it gave me probably some unhealthy tools you know that i thought were were kind of cool tools to lose a lot of weight quickly um you know there was we had a an all-american wrestler on my team that had grown up wrestling and he was a smaller guy i think he wrestled like 135 or 140 but he knew like all these tips and tricks and he you know he kind of taught them to me and you know i think that some of those those tips just to completely drain your body of absolutely any weight you can as quickly as possible um 
were things that I did later that certainly didn't um, serve any good long-term purpose. Sure. But um, as far as um, like long-term issues, I don't think so because I kind of, my freshman, sophomore year in college, I I played junior college. I, um, I kind of leveled out at a weight that I was pretty comfortable at. And it's probably close to what my um, kind of goal weight is now. You know, I don't, I don't have the goal that a lot of people have to get, um, to 220 or to get shredded or anything like that. Like, I'd like to get down to 260, 265 and, you know, be, at, I mean, I'm a big guy, so I'm 6'5 and I lift a lot. So I, I wouldn't consider myself real, real fat at 260. Um, and that's kind of where I leveled out and I was comfortable with that. It wasn't until I went and, um, went to University of Nevada where they started really hammering me to put on weight. Cause at that point, you know, I was playing against, a much higher caliber and you know i was expected to to be able to compete so which i i think makes sense and so you did that in you know when you were at university of nevada you know you put the weight on um you know strength obviously strength increasing as well but you know actual mass increasing so what happened to you after college like how did what was the impact of, of like that life change, like going from having structured athletics to now being kind of out on your own with it? Yeah. So, so when they were getting me to gain weight, it was kind of any means possible. And, you know, it was a lot of, I, I just had free food dumped on me and then meal replacements on top of that and everything else. And we had nutritionists helping with that, but it was also, you know, lifting every single day and practicing every single day. Plus, you know, sometimes twice a day and, and the weight kind of stabilized my last year there around where they wanted, which was like 305 to 315. Um, but that was with eating just an enormous amount of calories. Um, so when I quit playing, uh, you know, I kind of coasted into my, my early 20s of, um, of just kind of you know partying. And I was just working, working in bars and restaurants and uh, also just, just playing a lot, a lot of video games. Um, you know, I know. I think uh, a lot of people do that, but I was I was really into the the world of Warcraft, and I kind of fell into that stigma that you see, you know, like on on South Park, where I was just uh, some days I would game for 40, 40 hours straight and just eat nothing but pizza and Mountain Dew. So, um, so while you know, looking back, I, I would say that I probably um, had built up a tolerance to a certain amount of calories. Um, but, uh, you know, there's certainly some personal accountability where I just let it go and I just quit caring for, for a few years there. And, and that I, I think is an interesting thing, like in terms of that evolution of, of habits for you, because what do you think were the big kind of challenges? Like, because to, to even to leave college, you know, in that 300 pound range, and to get to over 400 pounds is a, is a, almost a different arena in some ways, but also just like a natural progression if you're you're eating enough. Like, what do you think were the habits and challenges, you know, that brought you to that place? Yeah, so I, you know, I, um, I think I gained, I didn't weigh myself for years, probably almost a, a decade. Um and it was just kind of one of those slowly creeping up, you know, from being a relatively fit guy that fit into two X shirts and 
and then you know that slowly creeps into 3x and then you know, that slowly creeped into 4x but i was you know after a couple of years i moved back home to arizona and i was doing a lot of construction and landscaping and that kind of still held me in check a little bit where i i would imagine that i that i capped out around you know probably 365 370 um, and that was even with just those those horrible eating habits. And I mean, I, I wasn't healthy at that weight by any means, but I wasn't um, having like medical issues or anything else. Uh, you know, I guess I guess I was just fortunate in that sense that I didn't have any at that weight. Cause I know a lot of people do, but um, but I definitely think that, that even contributed more. Just the fact that me being you know six five and a lot of people when I was three sixty would have probably guessed my weight around. 290 or 280 just because I, I carried my weight very well um so i think that that actually even contributed more so because i didn't feel like i looked as bad as i actually weighed um and then it wasn't until you know several years later that i got into a more desk sedentary job um and then you know i met my wife and we started having kids that that the weight really started to pour on um and and you know i started to have you know, health concerns and, and stuff like that that really kind of triggered a more focused weight loss. Sure. And when did when did your weight start to become something that you think you were really conscious of that you needed to make a change? Like you said you hadn't weighed yourself for 10 years. So even if you were thinking about it during that time, it obviously wasn't pressing enough that you were like, I need to get checked out or anything along those lines. Like was there an event or was it more a culmination of, of things that brought you to realize, okay, this is getting out of hand. I need to do something. Um, well, I mean, my weight was always on my mind, just in the fact that, you know, I was single and, uh, you know, trying to look decent. <laughs> but um, I would say that in 2014, when my first kid was born, you know, was probably like, uh, um, like, oh man, I should probably start focusing on this, but I didn't really take it serious still. Um, I think that in 2015 was like the most success I'd had, um, with calorie counting. Um, and it was just, but it was still for all the wrong reasons. You know, I had, we had a, um, a cruise coming up and it was, it was, you know, like a, ah, oh, where'd we go? I don't know, somewhere in somewhere in the uh in the Pacific. We we went on this like three day cruise and leading up to it, I just wanted to look better for it. So, you know, I started counting super hard and limiting to like fifteen or sixteen hundred calories, um, and was successful with it, lost all the weight, and then it was like, Oh well, cruise is here and you know how cruises are, it was just unlimited food to the tenth degree. And um and I think that that's probably the point where i probably went from like oh man i'm 380 and i think that after that is where it really got out of control for that last year and i probably put on that last 50 pounds or whatever to get up to my high weight of 430 and so what happened you know because one of the things you mentioned is that you were really uh, for lack of a better term you know an early adopter of keto like what brought you to that moment, you know, that you knew, okay, you know, you see 430, you know, you, you need to make some change. W what brought you to pick keto? Like, did you try anything else first? Or was it more you had you had read something or seen something like where, where did that come from for you? 
I wish I could remember exactly how I chose it. I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, kind of studied when it comes to that. And I had done Atkins in the past, which, um, but I had done it more in the, uh, I guess super low carb, but really high protein, um, aspect of Atkins, which, which is fine. And I, you know, obviously anybody can have success with that, but again, that, that kind of falls back into the sustainability that I don't really think that Atkins has. Um, but in 2016, so when I was at my heaviest, um, I had just done a bunch of research and the reason I had done the research, I guess, was, um, had, I remember it clearly to this day, I had gone out, I had just gotten home from work and I went out to play with my son who was, um, I guess he had just turned two and it was like September. So it's probably like a hundred degrees out here. And I was just five minutes in, I was drenched through my shirt. My knees hurt, my back hurt. I was like sitting down and he's trying to get me to play with them. And, and I just, you know, I'm just like, man, I just don't, I don't have it in me. I just didn't have the energy to do it. And I remember just feeling horrible about it. And I was like, I was like, man, this is, this has to end, you know, I'm not, and at that point I still hadn't really been to a doctor. I had, I had been to one at some point enough to know that my blood pressure was bad and they had prescribed me medication that I had gotten filled and then just kind of never took. And it was just kind of one of those apathy things where I knew that it was spiraling, but I just didn't want to pay attention to it. Um, you know, and, and hoping that it would go away. Um, but at that point I was, I was reaching my late twenties and, you know, being over 400 pounds and it was really just not being able to provide the type of, uh, childhood that I, I felt like I wanted to be able to for my kids. And that was the, the big thing that spurred me to look into it. Um, and I, you know, I just did a lot of research. I saw people having success and I also, you know, admittedly, it kind of fit with what I with what I thought I could possibly stick with, which was, hey, man, at least I get to eat a lot of really good barbecue. You know, I can eat a lot of really good meat. I, I love cheese. So those are all things I was like, well, I might it might be sustainable for me. So, you know, what the heck? I can give it a shot because calorie counting didn't work for me. Atkins hadn't worked for me. So at that point, I was just kind of strung out looking for something that I hoped could work short of um you know, bariatric surgery or anything like that, which, you know, I, I'd known people that had gotten, so I didn't want to have to resort to that. Which I think, I think that makes sense. And I, I think that's smart to have an eye towards something that you can actually do. You know, I think sometimes we get, we get hooked on seeing the results other people are having and don't actually explore what they did to do it. We just want those same results. And so, you know, we try things like whether it's the calorie counting or a certain version of Atkins or Weight Watchers or something along those lines where you just end up not like I, I mean, clearly, you know, I have, I have, a, I have a long storied history with Weight Watchers and I still have nightmares about rice cakes with a teaspoon of peanut butter put onto them being, you know, the, the bulk of the day, you know, getting excited um, or getting excited when it was time to defrost one of their very weird desserts. But so you got in, you started, you know, onto this keto path, like what was, what was it like getting started and, and how did, cause I know you had some very rapid success. Yeah. So I like, you know, like probably a lot of people to start, um, I was, 
you know, like waiting for the right moment. And I, and I talk about this a lot on my YouTube was, um, there was always a reason not to, not to get started. So even when I felt that crappy, it was still months before I started because it was like, oh, well, you know, who wants to start right before my son's birthday in September? I'm like, I'll wait for that and then start. And then it's like, well, now it's, it's the beginning of October. Who wants to start right before Halloween, you know, with kids? So it's like, then I get to Halloween and then it's like, well, at this point, I might as well just not, not get started until Thanksgiving, you know? And I just felt like, um, you know, as, as I've now had success for a few years, I think that that mindset and it, it still gets me, you know, if I fall off the wagon, I still have a hard time with it. Um, and back then what I had decided was, all right, well, I'm going to get through Thanksgiving because at that point I'd had enough. So I kind of had my last hoorah, I guess, in Thanksgiving for 2016. Um, and I got started that Monday after Thanksgiving. So it gave me enough time to have Thanksgiving, eat a, eat a ridiculous amount of, of leftovers, and then kind of set myself up to start on that Monday. Um, and I, uh, at the time, I guess, I still had a um, kind of a very, very almost cal calorie counting approach to it where I was going really, really hard, but I tracked everything I put in from the very beginning um, on my fitness pal. And from November, what, I think it was like 27th um, to the end of February. So at the three month mark, I had lost um, almost exactly 100 pounds through, through the first three months. Um, and, and I had, and I, I was a statistics major in college, so I had tracked everything to almost like a a weird a weird point where um just to kind of see how I'd went and I had actually kind of reverse you know, a lot of people slowly uh slowly reduced their calories. I had actually kind of gone the opposite. The, for the first month I had done like thirteen hundred calories and then I bumped that up to fourteen and then I'd, by the end of the third month I was probably around like sixteen hundred calories a day on average. But by then I wasn't, it wasn't even restricting. I just wasn't that hungry. Um, you know, and that was the one thing that kind of struck me, you know, uh, probably six to eight weeks in was I wasn't struggling to stay at that low of calories. I mean, um, you know, I don't recommend for people to start that low, uh, but I wasn't having a hard time with it. So it's kind of, I wasn't force feeding myself to hit a certain amount of calories either. Which I think I think that makes sense. It, it, it's it's like especially once it, I had someone ask me the other day that just kind of randomly like, so is it true that that keto makes you not hungry? And it especially going from like that standard American diet to eating a more ketogenic style, even if your calories are reduced, like the the satiation effects can be for some people like really impressive. So I, yeah. I think there's there's that added bonus there like to help you kind of push through that i think hunger and cravings are also two entirely different things it's like you know i feel like it really helps with hunger but that's not the same thing as helping with cravings which comes more into the mental self-control aspect and what was that like for you those first few months like you know feeling that that hunger satiation but you you went from you know pizza and mountain dew to eating a, a cleaner, definitely different style of food. Like what, how did that affect you mentally during that time? Was it the momentum kind of kept you going or? 
were you white knuckling um, through? Like, what was that? Yeah, I'd say it was probably a bit of that. It was a bit of momentum and kind of just also being super, super focused. Um, you know, the reason I went as hard as I did is because I knew with my mentality that I would need to see drastic results to be able to stay motivated. I knew that. So I was like, well, I'm going to need to do whatever I got to do to get those results because those results are going to keep me moving afterwards. Um, so, you know, I had set my goal at 150 pounds in six months, you know, at a hundred pounds after three, I was, you know, close to on track. Um, and after like probably two months, I would say I wasn't having a hard time mentally. And I kind of reference back to that sometimes because I, I tell people that are just getting started that it gets easier. It's kind of like the opposite diet where for me on calorie counting, the longer I'm on it, the, the more, the more I miss stuff, you know, the more I miss those sweets and, you know, the reasons obviously you're having those, you're still eating a lot of that stuff just in, in smaller amounts. So those cravings never go away. Whereas with keto, it's kind of the opposite. You miss it a lot. But the longer I was on keto, the less and less I wanted it. So the less and less I craved it and the easier it got. And I never really even realized this until, um, you know, after I got through my first six months, I started incorporating, you know, I guess, cheat meals or, or bad habits. And when once I started letting those slip back in is when I realized just how much I hadn't been wanting it for those six months because it's like my brain just turned it back on. It's like, oh man, I forgot how good this was. And then it was all I could think about again. Mm. Which take us into that, because I think that's where your, your story in a, in a lot of ways too starts to mirror those of people out there that have had some weight loss success and then, you know, try to get into that place of bringing back other things or cheat meals or whatever terminology you want to use. Like, what happened to you when you did try to, you know, kind of start to, to, to bring that into the fold? So, um, yeah, so I lost, let's see, I was at about 137 pounds down, um, which got me into like, you know, the, the, the 200s, you know, and that was a big deal for me is to see a two again. Um, and that was my low point at that time was Memorial Day, which was the six month mark almost to the day. Um, of 2017, and, and I'll bring it back a little bit. At the three month mark, I feel like I'm jumping around a little bit here, but I wanted to get it's to okay. While we're doing it's it, okay. Def- no, do it, do it, do it. <laughs> so the the three month mark was where I decided to kind of get onto social media with it, um, and I started my Instagram and then my YouTube. And the reason was is because I lost a hundred pounds, but um. I didn't feel like I had anybody that uh, that I really could look at in the social media world and be like, oh, man, this guy is who I wanted to be able to talk to or this guy knows exactly what I went through because all the big names in keto, you know, all the people that are that have big losses now weren't really out with their stories yet. You know, they were all still on our, you know, we kind of all went through our journeys around the same time. So at the time it was... Um, it was Goody Beats. It was um, Jason Whitrock. It was Keto Connect. Those, you know, um, let's see, uh, Dr. Berg. Like, those were, like, the big people I was following, but none of those people had lost a lot of weight. You know, I mean, Goody Beats lost a little bit of weight, but not, like, morbidly I'm dying obese kind of weight. So, you know, these guys were all just shredded, and they were giving out great information, but they weren't people that I really 
you know, felt like could empathize with what I had gone through. So I kind of wanted to just get it out there and be like, hey, I've lost 100 pounds. I still have work to do, but it's working for me. Um, and that's kind of where I, I started pushing it out into the world because I didn't even have an Instagram before that. I wasn't a big social media user. I obviously didn't have YouTube or anything like that. So I just kind of started sharing my experiences on that end as a way to um, just kind of put my experiences out there for people that I felt like were in that same boat and looking for something the way I was. So, um, but yeah, at the, at the six month mark is when I had kind of bottomed out at 137 pounds down. Um, my birthday is a week after that. So I didn't really like gain a bunch right afterwards. I had, I had a cheat day on Memorial day and then got back on and it did good. And then had like a cheat day late in June. So a month later and then got back on. Um, but I had also maintained my, um, act activity levels, you know, and that was lifting four or five days a week. I was still, um, you know, walking as much as I could. Um, you know, I, one thing that I had picked up and that I always tell people is working out, you know, doesn't have to be, I'm going to the gym. It doesn't have to be, I'm going for a run. For me, it was, I would add, you know, an ex, I would park a, a half mile away from work. And it's like, well, you know, I, that's an extra mile walking a day. And then I would walk, you know, a mile on lunch. And it's like, but that adds up to two miles a day. You're talking about 10 miles a week. That's, that, that adds up. Every little bit adds up. So I kind of kept that up, um, but I had also started incorporating the cheat days. And I had also, um, even when I was on strict keto, I had really increased my calorie amount because um, I, I started focusing more on, I was trying to build muscle in the gym at that point. And that was kind of my next goal in keto was to prove, you know, that you could build and maintain muscle while on a strict keto diet and not having to incorporate sugar. So that was kind of where my mind went on that. Um, which I, which I had done pretty well with, but, um, but that kind of got me into this boat of, uh, gaining 20 pounds or being off for a week and then getting back on and, and seeing that, you know, that, that weight drop back off. Um, but I did that quite a bit for like a year, just kind of fluctuating around that just under 300 to up to like 315 range. Um, and I wouldn't say that 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 I look back negatively on that year because I gained a lot of muscle. So I mean I feel like I maintained weight but I gained muscle through that year. So I didn't really look at it as a failure. But um but it was definitely kind of slipping back into letting myself get a little bit too loose, you know, a little more mm. often than I should. And so what what came next for you? So um I guess just kind of like growing up while doing the diet, you know, and I had, I had more kids and, uh, and, you know, I switched jobs and stress levels and I, and I started letting those cheats go more than I could, you know, cause I'd always, and I find myself doing this, uh, you know, I can always be like, well, Hey, as long as I stay at over a hundred pounds down, you know, I started saying that to myself, but like, as long as I'm over a hundred pounds down, you know, I can let myself do this. And I would get up, you know, and I would get up to three, you know, 29 and I'll be like, oh man, I'm 101 pounds down. I got to hop back on keto and, uh, you know, and I'd hop on and I would, you know, and I had all the tools and all the knowledge, but, um, I would just be, 
you know, constantly fluctuating with that. Cause, um, cause like I said, I, I feel like if I can't, if I wasn't able to commit to it long term, you know, the, the, the cravings would come back. Cause you know, I feel like the first month of keto is, is the hardest. So once you've been on and you're in your rhythm and your routines, it just keeps getting easier. So, um, so yeah, I would say, I don't know, summer of 18 until shit, not, not that long ago. Um, there was just a lot of fluctuations and weight gains and weight losses where I had always kind of stayed between that 325 mark down. And I think I even bottomed out somewhere in there when I did my, um, my 13 day fast is actually, I hit a low weight. Um, and so, I mean, there was even some, some really low lows to come with that time period, but, uh, not, not a sustainable low in, in the 13 day fast sense. So. And, Reed, one of the things I'm interested in, like listening to you talk about it, it, you know, knowing fluctuations and kind of going away from keto and back to keto and that you're conscious that the cravings come back and, you know, the impact that that has on you. What do you think kept you, what do you think keeps you fluctuating? Like what, knowing knowing that that behavior is going to drive those cravings, why is it something you think that you still went back to? Do you have any insight into that? Like, I think that's something a yeah, lot of I mean, people do. I think a lot of it is, um, I mean, I think that like, like a lot of people, I make excuses for things, you know, and it's really about just whether or not I can, um, I can be accountable to myself because a lot of people came to me, especially when I was just starting out and were like, I, I can't do it. I can't get on keto when I have, you know, my wife and my kids and all this food in the house. And I'd always tell them, like, you just have to be able to, to, you know, be true to yourself and make sure you're in the right place mentally. And, and then once I was kind of on that same path of falling off, I was using the same excuses. It's like, oh, well, I can't, I'm having a hard time going out and getting pizza for the kids and not eating some. And, um, and I also think that, uh, I think that keto in particular is easy to get into this mindset of, I don't want to waste a cheat day. <laughs> and I think that that's the, the hardest part of keto, in my opinion, is especially for people that were obese and have lived that kind of lifestyle for a while is, well, I'm going to get kicked out of ketosis either way today. Like once you make that commitment and then it's like, I, I want to make sure I get everything I can in while I'm out because I'm going to get back on tomorrow. I'm going to get back on Monday. So I want to get every craving I can knocked out. And then it just turns into this, binge fest of crappy food and, and and even all the best intentions of the world getting back on it's just hard when you're spiking your insulin like that you're spiking your blood sugar levels to get back on the next day and not expect those cravings to still be there for the foreseeable future so i definitely feel like um like that's that's one of the hard things that's more of a mental thing than anything else is is getting over that point where i thought that i had to get everything in on my cheat days you know and it's okay to just have that that one meal or that one thing you're craving and 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 knowing that it's actually easier to get back on if you don't let yourself go crazy and you don't have to knock everything else out you know um, oh so it's kind of hard no, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure you know what i'm talking about <laughs> well i'm sitting here nodding my head because i'm thinking back like one of the things that you and i've even talked about recently is like the quarantine time and and challenges and, and things along those lines and you know when i think about my the days i you know i had some really bad days back in like late march early april that you know screwed with me 
And, and that mindset was exactly a part of it. Like, it's almost like that, that part of you that wants those foods, like the mental side, like, you know, I, I refer to it often as, you know, the demons inside of me are waiting so that when you think about opening the door, it, they're like, well, you know, you're not going to do this forever. Like, you know, you're not going to go off the rails forever. So you shouldn't just have that piece of pizza. You should get the piece of pizza and get the Big Mac. And if you're going to get you're going to get something sweet, you need to have ice cream and, and Reese's cups. And, you know, you really like Swedish fish, too. So, you know, but are you going to get a snack cake? Like, is there what are we doing about cookies? Like, is there anything that we're going to do to hit that? And like, it just starts to become like a snowball. And then you're really and, and it's almost like you self justify, like you're saying with excuses where you're like, well, you know, this is only going to happen once. So even if I were to overeat on, on ketogenic food, you know, I'd still be taking in too many calories. You know, like if I got a pint of rebel and an extra, you know, real good pizza, and then I also opened a jar of nut butter, the calorie density might even be similar, but your your brain tricks you into being like, well, no, have this stuff, knowing that you're going to wake up the next day and the first thought is going to be, okay, what are we eating next? Like you've, you've primed your, you know, you primed the pumps and you're ready to go. Like it's, it's a, it's a dark place to slide into easily. And I don't think everyone, you know, necessarily understands that. Like, I think there are people who, you know, you, you see that, you know, having been around as long as you have, you know, especially in the social media sphere, like, you see the people that are like, you know, okay, so, you know, every two weeks I go out and I go here and I have my slice of pizza and my sweet tea and, you know, the next day I'm right back at it, you know, and to them, the challenge isn't there, you know, that, that it doesn't, you know, it doesn't go to that next level. And so yeah, I, I think. Sorry, I just want to touch on that real quick. It's funny no, you say that because um, I actually talked to um, Jason about that, Jason Whitrock. Um, because that was one of the things that he had been pushing was his cyclical keto, where he had his cheat, you know, a cheat day planned every Sunday or every other Sunday. Um, and that was kind of his, his program. I think that he, he probably, I don't know if he even made up that term of cyclical keto, but I know that that was his program that he pushed for a long time. And after I had been kind of in the realm for a while, I had, you know, had the opportunity to talk to him a little bit and he had actually gone away from that because he kind of, you know, he didn't like the the results he was seeing with people that he was giving that program to because he wasn't giving it to the Jason Whitrocks of the world that are in the gym six days a week and, and needed that sugar, you know, to, to get back in. And it wasn't people that were going out on Sunday and loading up on rice and, and sweet potatoes because that was that was how he did it and, and how he approached cyclical keto. It was people thinking, well, every Sunday I'm going to go out and get a McFlurry. And, you know, and I, I know that, I was glad to hear that he went away from that too. And it was for that exact reason. It was, it was, you know, he was pushing that because, you know, I don't think that maybe he didn't have that, that experience at the time or, or, you know, he just learned as he went um, that for obese people that planned every single week thing just is not going to work because they just don't have the same mindset. Oh yes. And I think we all, you know, a lot of us like in the keto sphere have seen this come through in waves and cycles and, you know, there's targeted carb experiments that people do. And, you know, the, the, you know, I don't, I, I, I feel like sometimes when you, na you, you throw name brands out there that people are like, oh, are you denigrating them? And I'm, I'm not because these all have uses and purposes, but like the propensity, the, the you can starch experiment that a lot of people did. 
and, you know, having that, you know, that specific carbohydrate. And I think for me, like, you know, especially like when I saw people like Danny Vega and, and Brandon Scott and, and people, you know, trying these things out, I understood where they were coming from. You know, I understood exactly the purpose of what they were doing and that it was a measured purpose, you know, or, you know, some people that you see start talking about cyclical ketogenic or targeted ketogenic diets, which if people aren't aware of what they are, do a little Google searching and you, you'll get a ton of information. But that idea of those fast acting targeted carbs, you know, like sweet potatoes, white rice, um, a prepared starch, something along those lines, to use that like right before a workout, put, you know, bur and you're actually working out and lifting heavy for, you know, two hours, like you're actually still kind of keeping your, your body in fat burning mode is very different than the person who was four or 500 pounds, 350 pounds, and is, you know, 30 pounds into their weight loss journey and is starting to get overwhelmed by the mental side of like the mental restriction that keto is putting on them. So then they start to see this idea of, you know, well, maybe once a week, if I put in 300 grams of carbs, you know, this could be something that would help me and I'll feel stronger in the gym. You know, I'm going to be so much stronger. I'm going to have energy I don't have in the gym right now. And it's almost like they then start to convince themselves. And I mean, I did it myself. You know, I, I flirted with with cyclical keto. And when I started it, I, I was using sweet potato and rice. That was, you know, that was the carbs. And it was very measured and very, you know, focused. And it started to bring even sweet potato and rice started to bring those those cravings back for me, like making me want more and more. And then it started to be, well, what if I, you know, I'm going to, what if I then start incorporating bread or if I start, well, maybe I'll just get pizza today or, you know, ice cream is also, you know, you know, sugar. So maybe I can use the, the same amount of sugar and ice cream. And you start to convince yourself that things are okay. And it, and it, I don't want to sound dramatic, but it concerns me when I see someone who is severely overweight who hasn't given keto a real chance and then immediately wants to go to one of those other versions of keto. Like I can understand someone trying keto out and it not working for them and deciding to go to a different plan or a different program. But nine times out of 10, when I see someone say they're going to attempt cyclical, it's because they want carbs. It's got nothing to do with really with nothing to do with performance and ability performing. Like realistically, if you're the, you're 200 pounds overweight, you have more than enough energy in your body to get a solid workout in. Like you don't need to drink a glucose shake before you go to the gym. Like it's placebo. I, I honestly believe like that what they're what they're going for, and it ends up just being an excuse to because they see someone like you know, and I know Jason Whitrock doesn't do this, but they see someone in his shape eating gummy bears before they work out you know, or going to Ben and Jerry's and doing, you know, having an ice cream sundae after the gym, like, we want what we can't have sometimes. And I think that comes into play a lot with with specifically when people start thinking about cheat days, like, I've spoken many times on the show about when someone's for sec, you know, someone asks how to go keto. And so you send them that information, you know, the basic information, direct them to a couple different places. And then if the next question that comes is, but when do I get a cheat day? It's like your heart sinks. 
because you know, you know, I know where their head's at. Like I know where that's at. So I know how easy it is to fall back into those patterns. And well, I don't even think it's necessarily cheat days. What I get a lot is, um, is, Hey, I, you know, I want to start keto or I've been on keto for a couple of weeks, you know, like, can you tell me what kind of foods I can eat? And I always tell people, like, I can't, I can't really tell you because it's different for everybody based on what you'd like, but I can tell you the types of food you should be approaching, you know? And, and then, you know, the, the question always comes like, Oh, well, um, you know, when, when can I, or how often can I eat, you know, uh, whether it be like real good pizza or, um, or a can I, you know, fat head dough and stuff like that. And I always tell people like, man, you're, you're a weekend. Like just don't, don't even, don't even get started down that road yet. <laughs> you know, like let, let the, let the almond flours and the, um, you know, and the sugar alcohols and all that stuff, let that be much, much later. Um, you know, you need to focus on, on the basics, you know, getting, getting into deep ketosis before you start throwing in these extra wrinkles, you know, cause that's exactly what they are and they're fine for a lot of people. But I always tell people, if you're just starting out, you know, if you're starting out with all that stuff and then you're not having success, you have no idea what's causing you to not have the success. So, you know, if you want to get started, just start with the fatty meats, the butter, the oil, um, you know, you know, a couple vegetables that are non-starchy and, and stick to that and then slowly add in different things to see how it reacts for you, whether it be artificial sweeteners, which I, which I'm personally fine with, but I know some people aren't or, or sugar alcohols or almond flours. Those are all things that should be added later. Right. And there's something at the base. And again, this goes back to the experience of, of, I think people that have been morbidly obese, whether it was developed as a child or an adult, you've got some kind of disordered relationship with food and simply switching from one pint of ice cream to another, because the macronutrient profile is different. Doesn't do anything to work on that relationship you know, doesn't do anything to actually show you what you're actually facing. And like, so when you allow yourself, you know, the first week of keto and it's okay, I bought five pints of Halo Top and I have, you know, these cookies that I bought, you know, I bought a, a couple cookie mixes and I'm going to make, you know, sweetened egg loaf and put syrup on it tomorrow. You're still perpetuating things that are not just biologically driven for some people, but are mentally driven and psychologically driven. and not giving your yourself a chance to really do the work you need to do. And it, it just, it's, it's upset because it's, it's a trap I've fallen into myself. You know, like I, that was something, you know, I used to love quest bars. I used to love them. Like it was like my favorite thing in the world to buy, like was to go into a store, see a quest bar display and hope that I could find my favorite flavors because to me, quest bars became candy bars. They were not a supplement. They were not something I was using, you know, as a part of a well-formulated diet. It was the the cookie pieces in that Cookies and Cream Quest bar taste almost like an Oreo. Like, damn, that's good. Like, it was very much like, let's buy two or three of these at a time. And, uh, you know, oh, let's, you know, I, I don't have to worry about, you know, the, the carbs or the calories on these. But it, it starts to roll over. You know, my, my long-held rival, you know, rivalry, adversarial relationship with legendary nut butters, you know, like I, they, they, they vex me to this day, but, um, I, I think you're right. Like there needs to be some thought into mass and especially mastering the basics of a diet that 
does have some complexity to it. Like as, as simple as it can be, it, it can be hard to wrap your head around a lot of it. So it, it's good to, to start simple and to build on that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and that's funny that you say that that way. Cause my, I have, you know, a lot of different videos on how to do keto and stuff and specific questions. But the one thing that I always share to people when they're asking like, Hey, I just need something to know how to get started. I have this, like, it's pretty short. It's a six, like a six minute video yep. and it's titled keeping it simple. And it's, and it's like, this is, this is how you should start keto. In my opinion, obviously, um, right. is to start with absolutely most simple basics you can. And, and cause then everybody, everybody will have success if you're keeping it that simple because all the things that are pitfalls you haven't introduced yet. And then you introduce them. So, um, definitely, definitely on board with the whole keeping a simple thing. And, and it's funny you talk about the quest bars and stuff. You know, you have things like the keto crates and stuff that come out, and uh, and they're just loaded with those things. And I used to do review videos on them all the time. And for a while there, I was they were sending them to me for free and stuff just to do these review videos because they were always pretty popular. You know, people want to see like, oh, what's in the what's in the June twenty twenty keto crate, and they go and they watch them and hear your reviews on them, and and it got to the point where it was a lot of the same stuff over and over again. I found myself saying the same things in every video and eventually they, they, they quit having a relationship with me because I started being just a little bit too honest, which was, uh, I wouldn't eat these if I were you, you know, like, like these taste good, but let's look at these ingredients. You know, this has maltose in it, like, like this shouldn't be keto. This shouldn't be in a keto crate. And, and it turned into a lot of, yeah, this is good, but I wouldn't eat it. And then I would kind of show them the one thing that was in the package that would eat. It was almost always like the meat stick or, or the nut bag or something like that it was the only things that I would end up eating. So, um, and it kind of also gave me that uh, kind of a switching point in my head where I wanted to start being a little bit more, um, outspoken about, you know, things that, um, or not, I guess not represent things that I didn't actually believe. You know, and because a lot of it was taste testing stuff. And I did that with the quest bar. I was like, oh, I'm going to go out and do a video on taste testing every single quest bar. But, you know, six months later, you know, I didn't really even agree with myself because I wasn't I wasn't setting that setting people up for success because that's not how I would approach the diet. And I think that's that's an important area that we agree on that we've even discussed recently. You know, we we won't name products, but that as people that become more well-known in the keto sphere or companies see your account having some good engagement and they see you trying similar products, they want to offer you something to try. And I think when that first starts happening, our propensity is like, yeah, send it to me. This is exciting. You know, like, wow, you know, it, it, you're honored and, and, it's, and it can be kind of fun. But then you start to realize that you're not going to love everything that you try. You're not going to enjoy using every or you're not going to see a place for everything that you're going to try like i think that's and you want to be honest like and, and i think that honest representation because i i think it's like almost like you can tell when a, a certain product has like a marketing wave going through because you see them popping up on like 25 30 accounts and everyone is giving almost the same review and you know i know for me like i'll, I'll speak for myself personally like if I'm sent a product to try, you know, and the company will say, we'll send this to you in exchange for a post. My response is always, just so you know, I'm going to be honest. So, you know, I don't, I don't like to go on Instagram, share a product and then say, 
this is horrible. I didn't like it. Like, I mean, I do, I, I'll give that honest opinion. Like, especially if I buy something, like, you know, I want to let people know. But if a company sends me something to try, like, I would rather give them honest feedback. And I always do. But I don't necessarily, because I still feel like there are some people who are like, well, then I'm going to go try this. You know, I, I, maybe I'll like it. You know, that kind of happens. So I have some weird kind of mixed feelings. Like, I'll be, I'll be completely 100% honest when I share something. So sometimes people are, will come to me and they'll be like, oh, well, you liked another thing. And I'm like, well, that's because I share the things that I actually like and the things that I find useful and the things that I think will fit into my life. Like, there's a ton of products out there that people use every day successfully that, that I can't. Like, even like uh, meal preparation, you know, meal kit uh, delivery companies. There's a couple of them that I've sampled that I loved. Like, the food was great. But as far as like the calories and macros and things that I'm hitting, they just didn't fit into my life. Like it wasn't something that was useful to me. But often then I'll be like, well, I think this person might be someone who, who would actually use your product. Like maybe they're someone for you to talk to. Like I, I, I think that honesty is really important. And, and sometimes they don't want to hear it. Like obviously, like especially, especially a smaller company that really cares about a product and is really excited and you know, they want you to try it and you taste in like, let's be realistic. A lot of times it's keto desserts or treats. And the first bite you're like, and this tastes like toothpaste. You know, that that cooling sugar, sugar, alcohol effect. And you're like, I can't get past that. I'm really sensitive to that. I'm sorry. I don't like this. I'm not going to I wouldn't eat this. But I, I think that speaks to kind of like the evolution of what you put out there. Like, I remember finding your your page and your YouTube channel. And just getting a lot of inspiration from the real talk that you put out there, you know, like, and the fact that you weren't trying to make it so overly complicated for people that there was, you know, that it was something you had to then pull an encyclopedia out afterwards. It was like, this is what I do. This is a simple thing for you to look at and to think about. And and I always saw, I always appreciated that content from you. Yeah, thanks. And, and on the Instagram side of things too, I also had, um, I also deal with, like, you know, people get their codes and stuff to try and um, end up getting, what, like 10% back on something if you refer things. And I've I've tried to avoid that so much because even on a couple products that I really, really, really like, I always like, I'm always conscious of, I don't want anybody to ever think that I'm promoting this product because of that. And I feel like a lot of times when you see the codes, that's that's what I first think, you know, and I think that we all know some of the bigger names that do that. And you know, and I'm not going to hate on anybody because you got to do what you got to do to to make a living. And some of those people, their living is keto. So, but for me, it's like, I, it's like, even if it's something I do believe in, I'm really careful with that. And I know that there's two, two that come into mind. One was a while back, I did these kibosh pizza crusts and I still eat them and I love them. And I told him, I was like, I was like, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm all for you know, continuing to push your guys' product. You know, if you guys want to send me samples, that's great. I will continue to post every time I eat them. Um, and I told him, I was like, I was like, if you guys, I'm like, I just, I don't really want a code. <laughs> and they kept giving me this code to put out. And I was like, I, was like, I don't, I don't really want a code because I don't want to make, you know, a dollar off of every pizza that somebody buys. I would rather, you know, just, you know, I don't need the $12 a month. I'd rather just make it more legitimate. And, and then more recently was alternate sweets, which I know I've talked to you about. Um, you know, I've gotten pretty big into the barbecue game. So I finally found a barbecue sauce that I really like and has macros that works for me. So it's like, all right, well, I, I took a code from them because 
I have so many people always asking me about what barbecue sauce I use. So it's like I finally took the code, but I had like I made a video about it. It's probably one of my more recent ones. I haven't been making many. And I was like, listen, I was like, if you find another code that is more than 10% off, use that. Because I'm like, I'm not doing this for the code percentage at all. I'm like, the code percentage is so that you guys have a discount that will probably cover whatever the shipping is. But, you know, you can see from my posts on a day-to-day -day basis that it's not, you know, something I actually use. A ridiculous amount probably too much <laughs> which i think that makes sense and and i think it, it comes to perspective like i think there are there are some people that go too far into you know coding everything because you know either they you know they're trying to make a living you know which i i don't follow anyone for or maybe they're genuinely excited but you kind of get lost you know it can get lost whereas like you know i have a couple companies that i share codes for and they're very basic things like it's spices and salt and you know and if anyone's interested the, the codes are in the show notes but um <laughs> is that real good is that I, um uh, real good or not real good uh what's the salt it, you use redmond it's redmond salt yeah, and yeah. select savory seasoning spices and honestly genuinely they are the two best like the the select savory seasoning spice blends are the best i've ever had like and they blow me away every time with something trying something new and Redmond, I did the taste test and the salt is fantastic. And they honestly just have, they've been such a supportive company, you know, since the start of my journey, like even before I was even that in that sphere of might be someone who, you know, would think about, you know, promoting a, a product or something along those lines, like they were reaching out and just talking and, and like, I think there's a genuineness there. So that's the thing that for me resonates and I want to share because I love their product and I love the people behind it. And. I think the same thing, like I think about like Misty and Jared with Alterna Suites, like they're fantastic people. Like there, there's a lot of times where you can build great relationships and, and build something that is mutually beneficial. But I think you're right. There's a way that it can become diluted where if in one story you're talking about, you know, I use this because it's simple and whole ingredients and, and, and clean and, and great for you. And then in the next slide, it's something with 75 ingredients. And you're like, this is my every time food. Like, you're not every time, my any time, you know, my sometimes food. Like, it starts to become like, what is the message people are getting? And it doesn't mean that you can't find a great way to, to put it out there coherently, because I think some people do. But I think it is thinking about like bigger picture, like who I always think about, like, who is watching what I'm putting out there? Like, who is, you know, it, and and not really, I guess the better way to put it is I don't think about who might be out there. Where I, I think about me in February of 2017, you know, 470 pounds, just starting keto, looking at everything. And what are the things that are going to draw my eye? And that's going to be the person that, you know, is now got, you know, peanut butter cups that are keto and, you know, things along those lines or keto gummy bears, you know, all of those things that would have drawn would have pulled me you know off of the path i needed to be on so i i i just think what people need to do is be mindful and i think as long as someone at the end of the day sits down and says i am a hundred percent behind what i'm putting out here promote and put out whatever you want to do like it's you know there's no there's no rules or regulations to people like i think it's important to be honest to say when someone sends you something that they sent it to you you know i that is is something i think sometimes people forget to do but at the end of the day like support who you want to support and and do what's important to you and you know 
I, I won't say use as much barbecue sauce as you want, but if Misty ever ever listened to this and heard me say that, she'd get really mad at me. Um, well, and that's so. what I tell people too. We in the barbecue world is, I, I think that we also fall into seeing what we want to see. So you know, I mean, I post my my food all the time, and I know you do too. And I think that a lot of times people will focus in on just what what you post that looks good to them. And a lot of times that's the stuff with the barbecue sauce. And then people reach out and I let them know like, hey, anytime I eat barbecue sauce, it is alternate sweets. But don't let that deter you from the fact that nine out of every time, 10 times I barbecue, I don't use a sauce. So yes, that is the only sauce I use. But that doesn't mean I use it every time because that wouldn't that wouldn't fit into my goals. And so it's kind of like people just need to to realize that that you know, where other people are in their journey or how other people eat might not work for you where you are in your journey. Oh, for sure. And speaking of where people are in their journey, like I don't want to get lost in kind of talking about where Reed, where are you at now? Like give us a snapshot of, of Reed today. So um I'm I'm on track, doing good. Uh you know, I kind of um went through a lot of what I imagine everybody's going through, which was a hard time staying motivated in the beginning of the quarantine. Um, I was very fortunate to the fact that I already had a home gym completely built and stocked. Um, but I also was buying a new house and moving in the middle of a quarantine, which was a nightmare. Um, and then I've got five kids in the middle of a quarantine, which is, which can be a nightmare. Um, and I know the math might not add up there for everybody. Two, two of my my sons are stepsons; they're a little older. So, um, but uh, but I'm I'm on track. I'm doing good. You know, I kind of got through that couple months of of hard period where I, I put on a fair amount of weight. Um, we had a a death in the family recently, and uh, and I was able to to stay on track and stay focused. And that was that was just a couple weeks ago. So you know, I feel like I'm where I need to be mentally. I'm still probably, geez, uh, maybe 30 pounds over my, my low, you know, so I'm still in the, in the low 300s. I haven't weighed myself recently, but, um, but I feel like I'm, I'm where I want to be, you know, moving forward. And hopefully, you know, the goal would be to, I'd like to get a new weight, a new low weight this year. So a new low weight in 2020, if I can stay focused, should be pretty easily doable. Um, as long as uh, I stay, I stay on track, which which I am right now. So I, I don't know exactly where I am, but I, I know I'm still over 100 pounds down. Um, so that that's always, you know, like I said earlier, that's kind of like my barometer. Um, but uh, but I'd like to I'd like to move that move that stick a little bit, you know, and and I know that it's always going to be there because that's just the type of person I am. But I'd like to move it a little further and have that be like, hey. I I'm, I never want to get more than 150 down, you know, like that would be a nice stick for me because then it would be, oh, I don't let myself get over 280. And I feel like that would be a comfortable place for me. It would be to float between 250 and 280 rather than floating between 285 and 325. And so, Reed, what do you think, you know, are the action steps or, or the things you need to put into place to make that happen? Because I think that's that's a, a, an interesting part of this is not just, what you did to get where you're at now, but like, what, what is that formulation inside of your head to think about trying to get to that goal this year? Like, what, what do you think you need to put into place? Um, I think that 
I need to stay more consistent in the gym. I feel like I feel like when I slack in the gym, it leads to slacking in the diet. You know, um, and I don't have really an excuse. I mean, my gym's never been closed, <laughs> so I don't have an excuse to not be in there except for not not being motivated. So I need to stay in there because it's hard to um, to put in an hour and a half or two hours of, of hard work and and you know soak through a shirt. And then go cheat, you know, like, 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 I, I don't know, it doesn't work for me because it's like, if I'm on track, I'm on track. If I'm not on track, I'm not. So it's like, if I can stay focused in the mornings and, uh, and get through those workouts and also, um, you know, stick with my intermittent fasting as much as I can. Um, I feel like, uh, like those are the big tools for me. You know, I love doing more of the noon to seven eating windows. I feel like that's my kind of success point right there, uh, where, where I find, find it the easiest anyways um and then i think that i need to i want to i guess not need to i would like to get back into making more consistent videos because um i definitely feel like there is an accountability to being on social media where i'm benefiting as much from being on it as anybody is from watching me you know because I, I, because if I fall off the rails, I can't be making videos when I'm all bloated and retaining water. So it's like, I want to get back to the point where I'm making videos consistently and posting consistently because then I'm being held accountable, even if people don't realize they're holding me accountable. Well, it's funny because that was going to be my next question was when we were, when we were going to start seeing some of that consistent content coming back from you. So I, I know I'll, I would look forward to seeing that happen, man. I, I always appreciate what it is you're putting out there. And Rita, I, I think you've taken us through a lot of, of like the twists and turns of a journey that is is more familiar to to people out there than just that straight line descent, you know, sprint to the goal. Like, what do you think? Thinking now over the past, you're you're coming up on on four years of of being, you know, kind of in this keto space. What do you think are the are the big lessons that you would want to share? with someone else who was just starting their journey? Um, I mean, we, we kind of went over the keeping it simple. Um, you know, that's the biggest lesson. I would also say, um, to, to not cheat, you know, and, or, or not for a long time anyways, let yourself get into that. Um, and I think that that also, one thing I was thinking about while we were talking about that, I don't think I got out was just the health impacts of that, you know, and, uh, and the, the impacts on your, your cholesterol and everything else by going on and off and on and off. I feel like that's actually even more unhealthy than just being off the diet or being on the diet. You know, I think that the, the stress you're putting your body through getting into ketosis, it's hard, you know, it's hard on your body. So you don't want to do that twice a month, <laughs> but, um, the, uh, the other big thing I know that you and I are on the same page with this is, is total carbs. You know, um, that's the first, the first thing out of my mouth to everybody I talk to that's just starting is keep a simple count total carbs, because if you're counting total carbs, everything else kind of takes care of itself. You know, you can't eat halo top if you're counting total carbs, you can't really eat fathead dough if you're counting total carbs or you're having one tiny slice and that's your day. So, you know, I always tell people that I count total carbs, but I really, I really don't even count anymore because I eat so low carbs that, that I know I'm under 15 total or under 20 total with, with a few exceptions. But, 
if if uh, if I was just starting out or if when I do track, I count that 20 total, that's sugar, alcohol, is everything. So I think that that's the biggest piece of advice I give to new people. I think that makes sense. And I, I want to add, because you brought up fathead dough a couple times. If you're someone that used to like to order yourself a large pizza and take it down, you know, it's Thursday night, time for a pizza. It's it's Tuesday morning on my way home from, you know, my way to work, grab a pizza. And you see someone on Instagram posts that they had one slice of, of a fathead dough pizza, you know, one eighth of a fathead dough pizza, and it was filling and satiating and satisfying, and it, it hits that button for them. That person is a filthy liar. That person... I, I, it's, it's delicious and it's great, but know that one tiny sliver isn't gonna, isn't gonna scratch that itch. If, if you've got a big, you know, if you've got a, if you've got a big pizza bone in your body, um, definitely be, be careful when you approach things like that. Oh, for sure. For sure. Because I do that with, um, with Halo Top or Rebel. It's like, I know myself, I'm not having one serving, you know, it's like, so if I get it, I get it knowing that it's going to be the whole pint, you know? And so there's, there's no one serving and I do the same thing with, with anything. It's like, I, I go into it at least setting realistic expectations for myself. And it's like, Hey, if I'm going to have a 40 carb day by, cause I decided to eat halo top or something, I, I just accept that for what it is. I don't go into it delusional thinking, Oh, I'm going to stop a third of the way through. <laughs> cause I know that's not going to happen. And I think learning your learning, that's another, you know, important thing for people. Like, I think that comes through in what we've been talking about is that it is keto in so many ways is different than a plan that gives you, you know, a book of foods to just check off. Like, it's okay to learn what works for you and what doesn't work for you and what foods you can control and what foods you can't and what what things challenge you. Like, I think when you were talking about, you know, like the, the halo, like I think about the ice cream thing, too. I think about like I really love some of like the goodies mixes like the goodies blondies are one of my favorite things on the planet. But I know I have to do one of two things. I have to be bringing them to an event where I'm going to have mine and let them go. You know, just let it go. Let everyone else have it. And if there's anything left at the end of the night, throw it away. Or I need to portion them immediately, freeze them and know that it's something that I can pull out an already measured serving for myself. Like I know those are things that I have to control. Then there are other things that I can keep around that other people have challenges with that I don't blink at. Like it, it, it's, it's very, it's so unique and individual, like, and even your mood can affect things. Like I love making a skillet pizza, but I know there are some days where I have it in my head that if I have that skillet pizza, it's going to send me off into a bad place. Like, because the pizza craving is about that pizza experience and not about having that food to satisfy what I need that day. Like, I I think building that mindful approach is just something that people sometimes don't think about because they want things to be so simple and easy. And they, they don't realize that it can be simple, but there's going to be some challenges at time that you just have to dive into. And I was talking with someone yesterday who said that, like, we sometimes have to lean into the adversity to kind of figure out how strong we are. And I, I think that really can come from a mindful approach to your weight loss journey. Yeah. And that goes for even things that are really keto friendly, you know, like um, when I, I know, I know like when I go to smoke a pack of bacon on my smoker, 
that it's going to be a high calorie day for me. And I just have to prepare myself for that before I do it, because I know that I'm going to put down a whole pack of bacon and still be hungry because that's just, I just love, I love it. And I, so it's like, I have to be there to do it. Otherwise I just don't do it. <laughs> I think that makes sense, man. So we, we've talked about where you've been, man. We've talked about where you're going and I, I'm just really appreciative of you being, being willing to come on today and share all your, your experiences and perspective that I, I think you're someone that's been in this for a while. And so I, I think if there's anyone out there who's thinking about keto, you've, you've given them some great things to think about today. And you're also a great resource for them, you know, to, to check out on YouTube and Instagram. So if anyone does want to connect with you after hearing our conversation today, Reed, where can they find you? Um, so it's just the keto guy, um, on Instagram. And then, uh, I always have my YouTube link, which is also just the keto guy. Um, so if you find me on either, I always have the other one linked. So the, um, and then I just recently in the last like year, maybe six months, um, attached to Facebook to it. So it's not real big on Facebook. Um, maybe, you know, a, a few hundred people, but, uh, but if you're one of those people that doesn't have Instagram, which I found a lot of people saying they didn't have one, um, I'm on Facebook now under the keto guy as well. And I think, um, Oh man, I don't know if that's linked to anything though. It shouldn't be too hard to find though. Um, just the keto guy with underscores. Sure. And I will put links to all three of those resources in the show notes for today's episode. Awesome. So read definitely, definitely. And read, we've reached the point in the show that everyone comes to eventually. And that's the fat guy five. Are you ready for your questions? I am. Okay. So question number one in our final run, living or dead read, who is your favorite fat guy? Chris Farley. There we go. I'm not going to say anything else. I talk too much about him when we get it. When, when someone gives that answer. Yeah. We already say enough. Question number two, read, what is one lesson being a fat guy has taught you? Oh, geez. Um, I should have been more prepared for this. I guess it's just, uh, that the, I know you posted about it this morning, actually, the little things that people don't even realize that, um, that I didn't even realize until I lost the weight, like being able to fit into a car or being able to buy clothes at a normal store. Um, just little things that you take for granted when you're lighter that you, you might not even realize are a big deal. So there we go. Question number three, man. What is one piece of advice you would go back in time and give your past self? Um, just to start earlier. Don't let myself get so out of control for so many years, you know? That makes sense, man. Question number four, Reed. What is something about yourself that you love? Um, I guess just being a dad, the type of dad I am and the amount of time and effort I put into that, I guess would be my, my favorite. <laughs> I like that answer, man. I think one of the things that people will see if they check out your page is you, your kids in the, in the garage gym with you, which I always think is awesome. Yeah, definitely. They love it too. So that's awesome. Uh, question number five, man. Last question of the day. Reed, what is one goal you have for the next year that is not health, fitness, or weight loss related? Not health, fitness, or weight loss related. Um, I guess that my biggest goal is going to be 
and I was just talking to my wife about this, is I'm trying to find something specific, and this goes back to the dad thing, something specific with each one of my kids to have a little bit more one-on-one time with them, whether it be, um, like, I started playing Fortnite with the older boy, or um, got into some, like, tabletop miniature games with my with my with one of my younger sons, so just finding something specific for one-on-one time, because so much of my time I feel like is know all the kids at once and i kind of want to give a little Mm. more individualized time to each each one of my sons and my daughter i like it man that sounds fantastic yeah so reed let me let me just say a big thank you for you coming on the show today and sharing your experiences with everyone out there in the fat guy forum land yeah absolutely mike i appreciate you having me on and uh i'm definitely glad to now be part of the best podcast out there there we go, man. And who knows? Like, we're coming up on the one-year anniversary of the show. Like, this episode will probably be dropping right around then. So, uh, you're you're also a part of one of one of the milestones that are that is happening. So, I just yeah, really absolutely. appreciate us. Fine, and I like that you know, we've known each other for a while now, and it's good to finally get a chance to to talk live about some things. So that was awesome. Yeah, definitely agree. And everyone else out there, if you've enjoyed our conversation and want to track me down after you go find Reed, you can find me on Instagram at Gourmet underscore goes underscore keto on Twitter at Gourmet goes keto. If you're interested in keto coaching, you can find me on the keto slash coach dash Mike. And as always, you can also email the show at the fat guy forum at gmail.com. My friends, there's a whole new day ahead of you or maybe. Maybe you're going to bed, and I don't know. I don't know if I like the idea of anyone listening to this show right before they go to bed, but maybe you are. And if you are, that that's your business. But remember to do something today, or when you wake up tomorrow, to amaze yourself, because you, my friends, are amazing people. And then come on back and catch us again on the Fat Guy Forum. <laughs>